Welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. I'm your host, Mick West. My guest today is Johnny. And Johnny, I just met very, uh, not very long ago on Facebook in one of the Flat Earth groups. And he posted a very interesting post about how he used to be a Flat Earth believer, and now he isn't. And now he's spending uh, some time, like, trying to help people who are still kind of stuck earth, stuck in the flat earth uh, uh, way of thinking. So, uh, Johnny, uh, welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. Thank you very much, Andy. Yeah, it's great, great to have you here. And uh, you're in the UK, so they'll probably get, be getting a little little delay between our uh, questions, just so people don't think there's anything wrong. Uh, but, yeah, but, so, well, let's, let's just kind of start with, like, what you talked about in your uh, your post on Facebook, uh, how how you actually got into face into flat Earth, and it kind of started for you with like nine eleven. Um, well, in a sense, yeah. I mean, I, I, I saw you speaking to another flat earther, and mm-hmm. you mentioned you kind of brushed over the movie Zeitgeist, the guy I hadn't right, seen yeah, it, yeah. so you kind of went away. But that's what kind of drew me into a lot of a lot of the conspiracy of that movie alone. Um, I just got put onto it by a friend. So obviously the 9-11 stuff in there, it, see, when it's put to you in a certain way, you believe a certain, you, you follow that train of thought and you you search those certain things. Whereas when you, when you look at the bigger picture of anything like that, things start clearing up. Now, with 9-11, the, pretty much the only thing that grips to me now is the, the BBC news where, the lady said Tower Seven has just fallen, but it was behind her in the behind the right. window. Um, the rest of it's kind of explainable, um, has been explained, and yeah, there's hundreds of videos talking about how it's not right, and there's hundreds of videos saying how it is right. So that I just kind of give it a bit of a buy at the minute. It's not something that kind of draws me in. Um, but again, obviously, you've done a hell of a lot on on nine eleven, so I'm sure you know about that tower seven thing it's not something i've ever chased down and tried to find the, the proper answer for because yeah it's neither there. it's done a lot of people died it's not really it, i feel a bit bad kind of saying there's something going on so i kind of drew back from 9-11 it's not something that kind of right after if you know what i mean but i guess like when you were when you got into the say stuff like the flat earth stuff you would have been a yeah, fairly hard, hardcore 9-11 believer at the time um, to an extent, it's like you heard all the stuff about the, the is it theolite, the, the, thermite, that, thermite, yeah, thermite. explosives, and yeah, things like that. You see a lot of, and people say that that's evidence, and but it's something I I wouldn't be able to understand for a start, so mm. I wouldn't be able to. I, I I know that I'm in not in a position to be able to have a decision either way. So again, it, the nine eleven thing, yeah, I I felt like the the commission that was released does have a few holes in it, but again, only going off pretty much the Z guys movie. Right. Um, so, so Z guys drew me in to nine eleven. So how did you get from there then to uh, suspecting the earth might be flat? Well, it was following a load of different ones. I ended up looking into Nibiru, you know, the planet uh, X. I'm yeah. sure you know about that one. Um, but it was Antarctica. There was, I, I just felt like there were some mysteries regarding Antarctica. There's some things that may have been mysterious about it. I found out one of the ice shelves there was called the Rockefeller Plateau. And obviously the name Rockefeller 
sends alarm bells everywhere. So I started looking into Antarctica. Now, it wasn't very long after looking into Antarctica that you hear a lot of the flat earth stuff because obviously that's their, their ice wall keeps all the water in. Yeah. Um, so that's what drew me to, to flat earth. So I started looking into that. Now, the, the, the thing with the, the flat earth videos is for somebody who's not very scientifically literate, they do sound very convincing with what they, the way they put across. That's what drew me in. So all these proofs that they give you, like, you know, you've got, to be fair, there was three main ones that had me. There was the fake photos of Earth. Uh-huh. Um, there was there was one of them where there's the double cloud pattern. Right. So that was, I looked at that and I thought, well, hold on, there's definitely something there because those clouds have definitely been duplicated. So there's clearly something wrong with that photo. So why are they yeah. releasing fake photos? So that, that photo, um, that's the one, the photo of Earth that's used, it was used on the original iPhone as like the wallpaper on the original iPhone. Yeah, I believe so. Is it, is it the one that's actually known as Blue Marble? It, it's one of the Blue Marbles, yeah. There's, there's a few different Blue Marble images, and all the Blue Marble images, none of them are actually real images of the Earth. They're just these basically uh, flat <laughs> flat maps yeah, of the Earth. Like, you know, like a, it's an equirectangular projection of the Earth is what it is. And it's something they can use to make a 3D model of the Earth, and they make it by having a, a satellite uh, go around. Yeah, it's the, the same satellite that's always been going around. And they, they take all these strips and they make the composite image. But yeah, it's the one that was used for the 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 iPhone wallpaper. So it became kind of famous. And it's got these things on that you said, uh, which is there's areas of the cloud in it, which you can see have been duplicated. They've had to like copy yeah. and paste a bit of the cloud. So it's obviously been edited and that makes people be very suspicious. And I imagine it made you suspicious oh, at the time. And I've seen so many flat earth posts showing well to be fair not so much anymore but years ago you saw quite a lot of them pointing out those double cloud patterns so that was something that gripped me um there was one about flight paths that um i mean obviously i understand these things now it's just these were the things that, that drew me in them but then the other one was chicago over lake michigan right now that was a big one for me because it's a matter of well yeah it's it's too far away you shouldn't be able to see it so I ended up being drawn into it. I started looking at all these other proofs, all these videos, and obviously, again, to an untrained mind, they are very convincing. Um, so that was when I was, I was kind of hooked. I was telling my friends, saying, you know, look at look at this. You know, why is this happening? Why are these flight paths like this? Look at this photo of Earth. There's obviously something going on that's not true that we're being told is true. So that was what gripped me with regards to to the flat earth and those three main things drew me in and then all the other things it was just kind of bonus stars for the flat earth if you know what i mean it's like well yeah that's that's right as well and that's right as well because in all fairness the way the videos are put across as much as they like to use the tagline research flat earth they're telling you that these things are, are true therefore implying you don't need to research and that was that was the impression i got and at the time when you're in it you don't realize every time you you want to research you start your search with the term flat earth mm-hmm. so somebody says sunsets you search flat earth sunsets somebody says eclipses you search flat earth eclipses and you find the answer that flat earth gives and you give that answer so when you're then questioned on your answer you're like well here's the video have a look here's where i got my answer from so you do have a hell of a lot of backup from flat earth that's 
when I was when I was deep in it. In all fairness, less than six months, I felt like I was a convinced. I won't say a believer, but I was convinced that yeah. there was definitely something wrong with the globe model. At first, I'm thinking, well, Chicago over Lake Michigan, maybe the Earth's just much larger than we thought. And, you know, because we can clearly see Chicago is clearly there and it should be behind a curve. But we're given dimensions that don't match. I mean, like I say, I do understand all this now. I can, yeah, you know, you know, I know. <laughs> the, the Chicago over Lake Michigan is one of my main ways of proving curvature as, as a non-flat earther now, especially when someone brings it up. It's, I can easily prove curvature with that. Um, well, yeah, that, that's kind of when I was deep into it. So when, when you were deep into it and you, 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 you told your friends, like, you know, look at this, like, what kind of reaction did you get? And did they try to pull you out of it? Um, well, I mean, a lot of them just dismissed it and a lot of them were like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, smile and nod, as you do, yeah, just kind yeah. of lead me to it. Because, <laughs> so, so, you know, the average Joe, it's a matter of, well, yeah, in a matter of time, you'll probably work out that you're wrong and all the rest of it. Again, conspiracies. Um, but a few of my mates are into conspiracy theories anyway. I mean, don't get me right. wrong, I'm, I'm not saying I, I disbelieve all conspiracies. I like to feel as though there's a bit of mystery in the world. That's pretty much the main thing that draws me into conspiracy. The hope of mystery. It's like the internet's ruined all that for us because now we know everything. So, so now the mystery's out there in space. So it's... When when you get a feeling that NASA's lying to you and that everything that you've been told is wrong, it is a big downer. And to be fair, it was very miserable. I'm watching things on TV like, I mean, I don't watch much Star Wars, but you watch things like Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff like that. And you just feel like, well, hold on a minute. This is all, all a big lie and it's never going to happen. And it's all, I mean, obviously Star Wars and Star Trek aren't real anyway, but you watch anything <laughs> about space and you think, well, if something doesn't add up and, and you start questioning everything. That must be kind of interesting, though, in a way. Like you know, it's because you you've got this idea that uh, you know you're part of this kind of like the Truman Show type thing, and everything's fake. Isn't that in itself like just like an amazing mystery? Like, and you've kind of discovered some of the secrets to it. Well, yeah. Again, that's what I mean. So, with with having a feeling like there's no mystery left in the world, when something like this comes along, you grip it, and it is yeah. like a source of mystery for you. So you do hold on. You think, right, well. You want it to be true. You know, you want to know that you know things that other people don't and you're one of the first to understand it. And it is, it's a, somebody mentioned it the other day, a sense of belonging. Like, oh, so like community? You belong to, a, yeah, yeah, you belong to a, a small group of people who who have the knowledge. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean, it's going to set everyone free. And it's, it was a bit of a... It, to be fair, to be, to be brutally honest, it was a very miserable time. As much as yeah. you think the, the mystery opens it up, it's miserable because you think, well, all this space and wonder that you've loved and enjoyed and wondered at, all of a sudden is just gone, and you're left with this just the earth. Um, I never really looked into the dome much. It wasn't something that I didn't quite get that advanced in the flat earth thing before I started realising that there was issues with what I was hearing from flat earth. Did you, um, you know, you said like there's a sense of community. Did you, did you meet up with other flat earthers in real life? Uh, none, no. Um, like I say, I, I was on a few Facebook groups, um, and at first it wasn't quite as abusive as it is now. 
and mm. I ended up joining the Flat Earth Society website, which now a lot of Flat Earthers call as controlled opposition. Um, but I was on there. To be fair, there was a lot of people on there that were both sides, and everyone was quite nice. There wasn't really much animosity in there because it was a very moderated website. And obviously they didn't want to be taken down, so they kept the, the abuse down to the minimum. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of kind of patronising and ridic- ridicule in only a, a light-hearted way, but nothing like the ruthlessness of Facebook. Yeah. What What's your feeling about, um, like, with Facebook and the community? Like, what percentage of people who say they believe in the flat earth actually believe or actually have genuine suspicions versus how many are just trolling? Um, I'd say quite a lot are just trolling. Maybe not intentionally, but it's a matter of saving face. See, I think there's three types. I think there's those that are just trolling, very few that genuinely believe, and those that are exactly like I was, curious and asking questions um, because they see things that aren't right. But with Facebook, the problem is it turns aggressive way too quick. So the people who are just genuinely curious, they have to back themselves up quick so they get aggressive back. Mm-hmm. So that's why if you ever see me on there, you'll never see me giving abuse. I receive a hell of a lot. I mean, the furthest I go, I'd probably say I'm I'm politely patronising at times, but I'll always try and imagine the flat earther I'm talking to is in the same position I am, because if somebody like me had have come to me when I was in that state, I'd have probably come out of it a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of them, uh, the way I the way I spot a genuine one is the one that will have the discussion with you and have a back and forth, and when you put a point to them, they'll address that point instead of instantly diverting to another one. And when you give an answer, they'll reply to your answer and they'll listen to what you've said. And you can reply back to them and say, well, what about this? And they'll reply with, well, we believe this. So, yeah, so the ones that I feel would genuinely believe are the ones that will have the back and forth with you. You know, they'll address your points and allow you to address their points. The ones that instantly cut you off and just try diverting or just give you abuse. I mean, they might fully believe it, which is why they're doing that. But when they're trying to convince you that they're trying to tell everyone the truth and they're trying to let everybody know the truth, they wouldn't shut you down. They'd happily stick around and discuss where they feel you're mistaken. So when they give you an evidence, say, for instance, why don't we fly off the face of the earth with the spin? And you say, well, there's no reason to because we're within the atmosphere. We're encased within the atmosphere. Treat the atmosphere as the outside of a train, for instance. You know, everything within the train, you know, you smoke a cigarette in a train, smoke goes straight up. A volcano erupts on the earth, smoke goes straight up. You're within the train, you're within the atmosphere. So I'll, at, at that point, I'll say to him, so you, you find me where science says that rotation stops at the earth's crust, and then you'll have a point. But science yeah. doesn't state that. Science says rotation is up to the atmosphere and everything within the atmosphere rotates. If a flat earther will take that on, then I feel like you've got a genuine flat earther. But if a flat earther is just saying, well, you're just, you're just indoctrinated and you believe everything you're told on the news, then I don't feel like they're true flat earthers. The, flat, the true flat earthers will help you try and understand where they feel you are wrong. 
and you don't see much of that. Now, you think, though, like, uh, say someone's you know, genu- genuinely open to discussion like that, like, and they, they would you know, accept, like, the, the atmosphere orbits with the Earth and things like that. Yeah. What, why is it that they haven't just Googled that and looked it up? I mean, you can explain it to them, but they should be able to, you know, it, if you type in, like, why doesn't the atmosphere fly off into space, you'll get pages explaining it. I think it's because they they have a lot of distrust in everything. I was on the only other podcast I've been on with Flat Earthers. I was on one, I'd say about three years ago. Now, there was quite a few of them in there, and I was pretty much fighting my own corner against yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, I've done now, that. <laughs> it, whittled, it whittled down to two. The main guy who was hosting the podcast and another one. Now, the main guy who was hosting it was a, was a diehard Flat Earther, but he was he was kind of doing pretty well as a referee. Now, the other guy was saying, so, I mean, this is a point they brought up. So why are we taught in schools? Why were we taught in schools that the moon's phases are caused by the Earth's shadow? I mean, we'd had a bit of a discussion before that. Um, right. And he's like, why, why do we get a, a half moon if the Earth's a sphere? Like, because it's not the Earth's shadow. It's its own shadow. But well, that's not what we're taught in school. I was like, well, it is what you were taught in school. It is the moon's phases and nothing to do with the uh, mm. shadow. And he's like, no, it's not. That's not what we were taught in school. And it was only when the other flat earthers said to him, look, you're wrong on that point. You're not taught in school that it's the Earth's shadow. And instantly that guy's like, oh, right, okay, I, I must be wrong about that. It seems they'll only take answers from other flat earthers. Well, I don't want to generalise all of them, but I'd happily say most of them are under that same umbrella. It's a very big distrust in things like, you know, Google. You say to someone, Google it. Right. Well, Google's not trustworthy. It's like, well, all right, look on Wiki. Well, Wiki's definitely not trustworthy. And it's like, well, where do you want the information from? You tell me where to get the information from, and I'll get it you from there. Yeah. It's like... um. The other guy you were speaking to, he said, Google, the, the symbols are 666, and it's uh, it, it gets to a certain point where there's no coming back from things like that. It's like, well, if, if you're going to look at the word Google and see something like that, what, where do you want the information from? Yeah. How are they going to – so how do you get them to trust you then? Does it, does it help that you used to be a, a believer in the flat earth? You tell them that? Well, no, what, what I'll normally do, because I normally follow a certain pattern now, um, I'll say mm. to him, right, do you know how humans, how we as a species first determined that the Earth was a globe? There's obviously lots of evidence that proves the globe. What you've got to do is address that evidence. Have you addressed the evidence? And uh, the vast majority of them don't even know what that evidence is. Mm. It's like um, another flat earther I saw you speaking to was saying it was to do with bolts over the horizon. It's like, well, no, that was that was verifying it. But the initial one was the lunar eclipse. Pythagoras, like 500 BC, and Aristotle, 350 BC, they, they determined through the lunar eclipse that the shadow is always circular, and therefore the Earth is circular. And then it's like bolts over the horizon solidified that, and then you got Erith, I can't say that guy's name. Aristosthenes, I think. Aristosthenes, yeah. I'll still never be able to say it right. Um, he came and like, measured the, the circumference. The well, that's it. So he got the circumference. Now, I do understand the flat earther's explanation with um, that guy's and the sticks because they say, well, if the sun is local and smaller, 
then that those sticks experiment would be the same. Well, fair enough. If, if See, I will take on board their model and things that work on their model according to their model, then fine, I'll let them keep it. Let's, let's discuss something else that doesn't work on their model, um, like the lunar eclipse, which, in all fairness, I've not had a, a single answer for. Well, I've had a couple. Um, they say the moon's self-illuminating, and obviously shadows in the craters pretty much diminish that straight away. And then they've got the... The Black Sun. Have you heard the Black Sun Rahu? Yeah, is that like, so there's a like a dark sun that passes in front of the moon? Yeah, so they say there's, um, they, call, it's, they say Rahu and Ketu. They're the names of these two extra celestial objects that are around the Earth. To use that as an excuse for the lunar eclipse. Now, I did look into Rahu, and it's an ancient Hindu astrological metaphor. Not mm. anything to do with astronomy. It's to do with astrology, and it's Hinduism. Um, now, with a lot of these being diehard um, believers of God, that's yeah, like when I'll put it. A lot to do with the Hindu religion, yeah. and it's to do with astrology, not astronomy. It's like saying it's you know cancer the crab up there going in front of it. So that's another one. Out so what they do instead is they try to find flaws in the globe model version of the lunar eclipse. So then they bring up the the daytime lunar eclipse, you know, the eclipse where they see the, the moon. Right. So it's when the, the sun, sun is on the horizon. horizon on one side and the moon's on the other side, and you can just see both of them at the same time, but you're getting an eclipse uh, with, yeah. the, um, with so the lunar eclipse. There's a, video, there's a video on YouTube, the daytime lunar eclipse debunk the globe model. They go further into it and saying, well, look, the shadow's the wrong way around as well on the moon. Why is the shadow coming from above if it's going down in the sun and the earth below? And, you know, it's put across in a certain way where you look at it and you think, well, you know, they've got a point. They've got a point. The shadow's upside down and they're both above the horizon. Well, it's difficult to understand, isn't it? Like, if you just, you know, you're trying to wrap your mind around how an eclipse actually works with the earth and the sun and the moon. It's It's not an easy thing to understand. But then you've got the way flat earthers work. Sometimes they'll understand refraction. Sometimes they won't. It depends what argument they're having. Right. So if you say to him, well... Chicago over Lake Michigan, they'll say, well, why isn't it upside down? Superior mirages caused by atmospheric refraction are inverted. It's like, well, yeah, they are sometimes. It depends on the weather, depends on the heat, depends on the, you know, the moisture in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is all all dependent on the weather. So Chicago over Lake Michigan, for instance, certain days you don't, on, on the clear, calm days, you don't see Chicago. Depending on the weather, you'll see a small amount of it. You'll see a bit more of it. Some channels you'll see, well, I'll explain to him, and the one time you saw the whole of Chicago, it's such a rare sight, it made the news. Because they showed right. the, the, they explained to you, well, the news guy said it was a mirage, which is obviously BS, and you're like, well, it is a mirage. You know, you, you heard about the floating cities in China. I'm sure you don't believe there's actual floating cities in China, and they weren't upside down. So it's not that a super, superior mirage is always upside down, it's dependent on the weather. So then you go back to the lunar eclipse and you say, well, it is refraction. And they say, well, it's not refraction. Look at the shape, the shadow on the moon. It's like, well, it's inverted. Like, you, like you've already explained, you understand with refraction. So the, the, 
again, the the main tool I, I see Flat Earth is using is pretending science doesn't have an answer. Right. Yeah. But science does answer. And what they need to start doing is challenging that answer. So what I'll tell them all to do is cross-examine what you hear in Flat Earth videos. Don't take my word for it. Don't take the Flat Earther's word for it. Cross-examine it and find the answer. If you find flaws in that answer, come back to me and present them. I'm more than happy to discuss where you're finding flaws in the explanation science gives. Very rarely it gets to that point. Um, but yeah. it was Chicago itself that, that drew me out of it. Right. Yeah, because when you finally figure out how it can work, like if you, you know you figure out how you can see Chicago over Lake Michigan like further than you should, and you can figure out like how the eclipse would actually work with everything yeah. being spheres, when you figure it out, then it's like, oh right, and then you know if if that actually works in the globe model, and you can you can understand it, then you know, it kind of I guess it opens your mind to other things. Uh, yeah, so you made me go back over all the other all the other proofs that they give. The Chicago one, again, there was the video by Rob Skeber. I'm sure right. you know of Rob Skeber and his experiments. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, took a and boat over. And he said a couple of things like, yeah, so he took a boat over and he's like, well, it stayed in view at all times, therefore it's clearly not a superior mirage. It's like, well, <laughs> bear with me. If it was a superior mirage, what are you expecting yeah, it to do? Exactly. Are you expecting it to dip below the horizon and come back up? Are you expecting it to lift? What are you expecting? What, you know... Where's your, where's your falsifying? That, that one question you just said there, what, what would you expect it to do, I think, is like one of the most important questions you can ask any uh, flat earther when they give an objection. Like someone says, like, you know, if a mountain is be- beyond the curve, shouldn't it be tilting away from you? Or shouldn't build- buildings be tilting away from you? You ask them, like, how much should they be? What would you expect it to look like? And uh, focus on yeah, that. No, or try to get them to focus on that. Um, and then another video Rob Skiba did, um, on the same thing, I think it was called Lumen Magnification, not Refraction. Mm. Um, and it's around about, a, I think it's about a 10-minute video, just a short version. But he says, um, around about three quarters through, he says the words, and Chicago is never seen inverted. Therefore, it is not. it cannot possibly be a superior mirage, or mm. words to that effect. Um, but then literally within 20 seconds of him saying that, the video he shows shows Chicago clearly inverting. Yeah. He uses the video from Joshua Nowicki, which is the one that made the news. Yeah. Um, and that's like a, a one-minute time-lapse video. And from like 55 seconds onwards, Chicago completely inverts. And you, you see the inversion, and it's like, well, there's your evidence that it's a superior mirage. So then what you've got to try and get them to do is look into what causes superior mirages and what is needed because it's like there's a famous meme. They've got a picture of a ship that's kind of inverted and it says, this is a superior mirage. And then it's got a picture of Chicago at the bottom saying, this is proof of a flat earth. And it's like, well, if you're admitting superior mirages exist, what you need to realize that for them to exist over those distances needs curvature. Because it's bending like upwards. In theory, it bends like downwards, like obviously you say the the sky in the road. And superior mirages bend like upwards. So it's yeah. like, where's it bending the light of Chicago from? In the water? Obviously not. So the light is being bent upwards. You need the curvature for the light to be bent upwards to sit on the horizon like you see him. Well, the light. So uh, yeah, for the the, the mirages of um, Chicago 
like over a distance. The light isn't actually bending upwards, it's actually bending downwards because it's bending over the curve. Right, but the, the image of Chicago, with it being behind the curve originally, it must be being upwards. You know, the the image of Chicago is being lifted upwards to be on the horizon. The image is being so lifted, to, but it actually, to, to, to lift an image upwards, you have to bend the light downwards. Oh, well, there you go. There's my misunderstanding <laughs> of how the mirage works. But <laughs> no, no, I think I'm more than happy to. No, it's not. It's, the thing is, it's not, it's not very uh, intuitive at all. Like, uh, I, I talk to the Black Earthers a lot, and this is something that, you know, even you know, regular people get wrong. Because, uh, like, when you, if you're looking up at something and it's actually lower down, you think, like, you know, the light's being bent, bent up to make the light uh, go higher. But uh, for you to be looking up at something and it's actually being down here, you actually, the light has to bend down to actually hit the thing. So it had the, the light path has to go from your eye, bend around the curve. Like that, so right. it's uh, it's 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 not it's not intuitively obvious what's actually going on. Uh, so the better wording would be: it's just the image of Chicago is being lifted. Because yeah, of the, the, light. the image is being lifted. Yeah, uh, and it it doesn't really need a curve as such to do that. It, it needs a a, gr- a refractive index gradient, which is another thing which is very difficult to understand. I didn't understand it myself when I started looking into it. I thought, how could this possibly be? You know, if you're looking along something and the refractive index doesn't change along that light path, then how does it bend? But it, but it does, and it's uh, it's yeah, unintuitive. I mean, it was myself looking into superior mirages. I looked into obviously I looked on Wiki and then got where Wiki was getting right. its sources from, and it did say um, I do remember it saying quite clear because it was something I gripped onto as help towards explaining to others. And it did say that over those distances, if there was no curvature of the Earth, superior mirages wouldn't happen over those distances. Refraction, fair dues, but the yeah. superior mirage element wouldn't. It's like, yeah, you can get a superior mirage in a glass with a straw. Uh, well, you can get refraction to an extent. You talk about like them, them saying like uh, superior mirages are always inverted. Like, where did they, where did they get that idea from? Because uh, I'm, I'm just going to do a real time fact check here. I'm going to look up superior mirage <laughs> in Wikipedia and see what it says. Sound effect of typing. Actually typing. All right, superior mirage. So it says here that superior mirage occurs uh, when the air below the line of sight is colder than the air above it. The light rays are bent down, so the image appears above the true object, uh, hence the mm. name superior. So superior mirage, there's, there's nothing implicit in a superior mirage that says it has to be inverted. So No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. Anybody's like giving you that argument, it's like you, you ask them, where, where do you get that idea from? Where, why do you think that uh, it has to be inverted? Well, All it's doing is raising it up. Yeah, a lot of time when, when they do make that claim, I'll show them videos of Superior uh, Chicago completely inverted. There is a video on YouTube of somebody taking it over the over Lake Michigan, and it is just completely upside down because it's it's early early dusk or something like that, and it's you know the weather's all over the place, so it's it's completely inverted. Um, a lot of time, I'll kind of bait them in a bit. I'll show them a photo of it, wait for them to say it's fake, then give them the video of it. Um, but a lot of time, I'll just say to them, say, look, if you do have questions, feel free to inbox me if you want to avoid all the, the ego 
that there is on Facebook. Because you try having a conversation with someone, oh, yeah. someone will be um, happily talking to you. But then you'll get other people. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's enough abuse from both sides on Facebook. I'm not saying it's more flat earthers than Globers. I'm not saying it's more Globers than flat earthers. Um, there is an equal amount of abuse given, so which is why I stay polite and respectful as much as I can. Yeah, that's great. Another reason for that is because I find that flat earthers look for excuses to leave the debate. So I try and give them as as few of them as possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I stick to the lunar eclipse, I stick to Chicago. But the one thing I've been sticking to lately is the horizon itself, because a flat earth wouldn't have one. So I explain to him why uh, the question I ask is why does this why does a flat earth have a horizon so close? So we can see around about twelve miles before the atmosphere becomes an issue. Um because obviously if you ask him why can't I see the Eiffel Tower from New York, we'll say because you can't see forever through the atmosphere, which is correct. It's around about twelve miles and then everything starts becoming obscured. Um but the horizon you know, there's, there's millions of sources showing that it's around about three miles from the average eye height. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, I just ask, so what is the horizon? On a flat earth, what is the horizon? How do you explain a horizon, especially one so close? So you get the usual answers of, well, it's just the viewing distance. It's like, well, it's, it can't be the viewing distance because you can see that we see around 12 miles. And I give them links because there are scientific websites that will explain this so whether they believe it or not there's the evidence find flaws in the evidence if you find flaws in the evidence come back to me because a lot of them don't do that a lot of them just say well you're wrong because hmm. of this it's like well okay well what you're giving me is your example has been answered by science and has not been addressed so it's just all i try and do more than anything is just get people to cross-examine what they hear, whether it's from either side. So, so when you uh, when you were in the flat Earth, like you know, questioning mode, like originally, uh, if someone had t- asked you uh, how do you explain the horizon, what do you think you would have said to them back then? Um, I, I wouldn't have a clue. To be fair, I'd probably go. <laughs> I'd, what I'd have done, like I said, what I'd have done is I'd have typed into YouTube "flat Earth, what is the horizon?" or yeah. "flat Earth horizon," because when you when you're that side of the argument, that's how you research. You find the answers that flat earthers give because you feel that everything else is a lie. So it's it's not about finding faults in the answers, it's about finding the answers that work. I'm gonna try it right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna type in flat earth horizon. Because you know, YouTube's changed uh, recently, like you don't get as many uh, results uh when you type in flat earth stuff. So I'm gonna do a flat earth. Yeah, horizon. See if we get any results now. Oh, we're getting a bunch of uh, debunking stuff here. So, is I guess I mean you would have got out of the whole flat Earth thing before they changed YouTube. So when you when you were a flat Earth believer or someone who was you know thought that there were problems with the globe model, you were like going into YouTube. And you would just find an answer like straight away to whatever the question was, and then you'd be able to say, "Look at this." So, like you know, there's a the horizon is due to like perspective, or it's due to yeah. you know things being too small and uh, things like that. And things get smaller at the bottom more than they get smaller at the top. So you- yeah. So I mean, the amount of times I've heard um, the they'll say, "Oh, it's perspective." 
It's like, well, perspective is just a word. The, the only perspective involved is the viewing height. You know, that's that's the perspective involved in that example. The viewing height is, you know, the average eye height. So there's your perspective. And they say, well, it's convergence. Well, well it can't be convergence because if the horizon was due to convergence, everything would disappear to a point on the horizon because everything converges to that point. But it's not because you see ships going down. Uh, another point I will say when... I saw you speaking to another guy. They say, well, you look through a telescope and you can bring it back over the horizon. So you, what I'll do a lot of times, I'll go with that and I'll say, well, okay, what about when you're looking through your telescope and then it goes below the horizon and then they've got no answer. Mm-hmm. It's like all the telescope does is it magnifies an image. It doesn't. It's not a magical telescope that bends around corners. It just magnifies an image. So it makes what you can see larger. Um, but like you was explaining to the guy, you still see half the boat missing. So it's it, it, it half the time they're disproving themselves just by yeah. a lack of a lack of research. And it's not so it's not that look, complicated really to, to to look into things like that. You think that they would you know actually check these things out, but you, you still get the same arguments year after year. Like, why? Why can't we like just have like one good debunk or something explaining it and have it? Yeah, you know, people can look that up. I, I believe that it's mainly down to what I used to think was the definition of cognitive dissonance. Mm. I now realise that it's actually um, confirmation bias is the correct term for it. They dis- dismissed evidence that goes against their beliefs. Just. They, and like you hear a lot of the time, it goes back to Freemasons. Whenever you get to a point where they've got no answers left, well, Pythagoras was a Freemason. It gets to a point where you, they leave you with no comeback. It's like, well, I don't care whether he was an eight-legged unicorn who lived in the sea. It's his evidence that matters. It doesn't matter who's given it. It's not like you're going off Pythagoras's word when you're, you're figuring out whether a triangle, like, yeah. No, it's, it's going rule off the understanding actually, <laughs> of how shadows work. It actually does you know, these things. You can check them for yourself. It's like when they go on about NASA. Right. They, they do posts about NASA and gravity a hell of a lot. And I say to them, I say, look, humans have known the Earth's globe for around 2,500 years. That's around 2,400 years before NASA was even created. Right. NASA are completely irrelevant. You want to, You want to disbelieve everything NASA say? Fine and fair enough, so don't bring them into the argument. Don't try and use proving them as fake as proving the Earth is flat. Because you could, you, if you somehow manage to disprove everything NASA have ever done, the evidence of the globe is still going to be there waiting for you. Even if you somehow manage to completely discredit gravity, the evidence which proves the globe will still be there waiting for you. It's just a lot of around the houses for them. You've got to draw them away from... It's just trying to get a flat earther to follow that lead and go down there and actually cross-examine what they're saying to you. Because yeah. they've already convinced themselves that that's, that's correct and true. So it's, it is an almost impossible mountain to climb to get them to, to cross-examine what they're using as proof. It is. It's very difficult. Uh, and I think it's, it's great that you actually go out there and do it. I, what, why, why are you doing it? Why are you actually engaging flat earth people? Um, what your last flat earth guy said was exactly uh-huh. the same. The one, one credit I will give him was he said he's learned a hell of a lot about physics and, right, and science yeah. looking into it. And I'm exactly the same. Uh, the amount of science I've learned through debating flat earth has been immense, far more than I've learned 
in the previous God knows how many years of my life. Um, it's is it's it's like a it's like mental exercise. Right. Yeah. yeah. Know, I I ask for you know give me some evidence and just see what they come up with next. And okay, well, well here's the answer to that. How how do you how do you challenge that? And you get past all the abuse and stuff. Because a lot of them will give you a load of abuse, but then they'll be quite nice afterwards because they realise you're just not one of those who's gonna, oh, you're a, you know, you're a flathead and all the rest of it and whatever they want to call them. And it's just once you get down to a sensible conversation, there are some really nice and respectful people there that just seem a bit misguided and, in to be fair, purposely manipulated by these videos. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of these YouTubers they're in it for clicks. They're making money off the YouTube videos, so of course they're going to keep the answers coming. And of course, they're going to keep giving their evidence that works because they're getting money. It's like Nathan Thompson, for instance. He's probably earning a hell of a lot of money. Eric Dubai, whether he's still relevant, I don't know. He's probably still earning a lot of money off his videos. I still see people quoting that 200 proofs, Earth is not a globe. Yeah. I think years ago, I did a full write-up on that. I mean, to be fair, half of them are probably wrong because <laughs> of... Um, where I was at with the scientific knowledge at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the 200 proofs. I mean, that, that goes back to, like, the original Flat Earth uh, popularist. Uh, what's his name? Samuel Robotham. Because he, like, uh, Eric DeBay, you know, he's, like, the modern-day equivalent. And Samuel Robotham did make a living from from Flat Earth. I don't know if the mo- if the modern people do, especially now that YouTube's kind of cut off the, the spigot of, of clicks. Yeah, I mean, that's probably why you see... Them do it if it's like Nathan Thompson was arrested a couple of days ago, was he for he was. He at school? But he's getting publicity. Yeah, he's, um, he was outside schools giving leaflets to kids, and he got shouting arrested at for them. It. Yeah, he was he was uh, shouting like "Research Flat Earth" to like you know ten year old school kids or something, and they they called the police and had him arrested. I mean, and quite rightly so. I mean, there is there are better. I mean, whether he believes it fully or not, there's better ways to go about it. And harassing um, school kids. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like he's he's him and some other guy. Can't remember his name, but they've done. Um, I think he's I think he's got Angel in his name somewhere. But um, they've put out a, a like a thousand dollar challenge for anyone who can show evidence of water sticking to a spinning ball. So right. obviously, <laughs> I commented on his thing, saying, "Well, you find me a place that is unaffected by the Earth's gravity, and I'll show you." You know, there's, there's videos of the astronauts in space putting water on a washcloth, wringing it out, and the water conforms to the exterior of the object. You know, you can't do it while both the ball and the water are affected by the Earth's gravity. Now, I find it hard to believe they're not aware of this. Yeah. It's just manipulation. Yeah, I think I think to a large degree, like, you know, people have been doing it a long time. They, they've heard all of the objections uh, and... They're basically ignoring them, and so they know what you're going to say when you 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 know if the, if if you say if, if they say like well why doesn't the atmosphere fly off into space and you can't have like you know a, a vacuum on one side without a, without a container then you say it's because there's a pressure gradient going from air pressure at the bottom to vacuum in the space and as you go up a mountain the air pressure gets less and why is that they they know you're going to give that argument because they've heard it before and they'll just sidestep it because they can't actually address it. Exactly. So all I'll say, because obviously if you start 
speaking in those terms to a flat earther, then all of a sudden they, they don't understand science at all. You're talking nonsense. That's all, all what the Freemasons said years ago, and you're just taking it in. That's kind of their response. Mm-hmm. So what I'll say is you're under the impression that the vacuum of space is somehow sucking. Yeah, when yeah. it's not. There's no suction to the vacuum of space. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm no scientist. I'm not very scientific. I don't understand the ins and outs of space, dark matter, the vacuum of space. If somebody asked me how does the um, atmosphere not get sucked off into space, I wouldn't be able to give them a scientific answer. Yeah. Most people, you know, almost, almost nobody would, even like lots of scientists, because uh, they don't think about it. It's not like a, a problem that they, they need to address. So you could, you could go to like everybody in the street you could ask a hundred people, and you probably wouldn't get the answer from a hundred people no. in the street because it's not uh, something people think about. So a lot of the time, um, there are people in the flat Earth groups on the globe side that do fully explain these things. I mean, whether they're just copy and pasting from websites, I don't know. Um, but again, it just teaches you. Now, whether these um, the, the flat Earthers that I call fake flat Earthers that will just argue for argument's sake no matter what you tell them, if they're taking on board the answers that they're being given, whether they're admitting it or not, then, hey, people are learning science, you know, and when they, because obviously the majority of people who stop being flat earthers just stop being flat earthers, don't turn around and say, okay, now I know I'm wrong, because obviously admitting you're wrong isn't the most enjoyable thing to do in a flat earth group on Facebook, (laughs) Um, because you just get jumped on by both sides then. So a lot of them just back out and, and don't bother with it anymore. But for me, it was a matter of if, if I'd have had somebody like me, if I'd have listened, to put it better, if I'd have listened to somebody like me when I was on that side, I'd have probably come out of it a lot quicker and probably a lot smarter as well. Yeah. Because um, like I say, there are answers. They're just not being addressed. And yeah. that's, that's the main problem. That is the, the main problem with Flat Earth. And it's, it's all interesting stuff as well. I think that's, you know, something you can do is like try to, you know, show them how interesting the actual physics is and try to teach them stuff about it being interesting, like without them uh, fighting back. Do you, how much, uh, how much success have you had? Have you had people that have actually like, you know, got out of it because of what you've, you've said to them? I've only had two messages. Um, like PMs on Facebook. If someone was right. saying, look, Thanks a lot. You, you've opened me eyes. But then sometimes you can spot the ones that are actually asking questions and that are actually just curious and not just on the offensive. Um, so I enjoy speaking to them and I'll say, to, you know, I'll invite them to inbox me because half right. the time I'll be having a nice conversation with someone and then another global will come in and start giving them a load of crap. And it's, yeah. like, it, it's unnecessary. You can do it in a better way. You know, it can be done in a better way. Just, be respectful, and if they take it on board, it's just don't give them any reason to to run off. They like a deer in the headlights. You've got to be you've got to be careful how you approach them because you don't want to scare them off and just leave them to the oh well you're just being brainwashed and you're being indoctrinated. I think I think flat earthers accusing us of being indoctrinated is the most hypocritical thing in flat earth because they're getting their evidence yeah, from yeah. YouTube, which is offering. No evidence. It's like, well, what's the evidence? Well, the horizon's flat. Of course it is. You know, what are you expecting? You're thinking that as you turn, it's going to go down. What happens if you turn all the way around? Are you going to be up? You know, obviously, it's like I tell them, it's like taking a, pan- a panoramic photo. 
it's going to be flat all around. That's, yeah. That is what's to be expected. Yeah, and that's know, another, another one of those unintuitive things. It's it's hard to figure out, but but you can also if you get as you go higher up, you can take a photo of the horizon and it is curved, and then they say like, well, why doesn't it keep curving? So it's it's kind of a confusing thing to think about, well, it, and it's easy to just you see, you know, <laughs> dismiss it. Photos of curvature they won't accept because, um, obviously on a on a passenger plane, you know, on a on a commercial flight, mm-hmm. you don't really get high enough to see curvature out of your small window. It may be the pilot because he's got like a, a 180 view. He'll be able to detect a slight curvature at like 30, 35,000. Um, but then you've got the U2 spy planes that have got videos at like 70,000, which show yeah. blatant curvature. You take a still of it and the wing is in the, the picture and the wing is completely unaffected by any fisheye lens. So even if it's a fisheye lens on the plane, then the for the curvature of the earth to be caused by the fisheye lens would cause the wing of the plane to also also be very distorted. You look at the Red Bull jump. I mean, that's clearly very, very fisheye because all the capsule that he jumped out of, all the straight yeah. lines are very curved. Yeah. And obviously the earth's extra curved. So obviously it's not something I'd use as evidence myself because it's yeah. clear that evidence of fisheye lens and they won't take it. But even if you put it through correction, they'd still be curved. It is. I, I did actually do that because they had uh, some of the raw images of that that jump uh, where he jumped from the capsule. I think it was like a hundred thousand feet or something like that, and uh, it had the lens profile embedded in it, so I could put it into Photoshop and do the actual correction for it, and it comes out, and you can see see the actual curve. Because uh, no one's going to accept that because they'll they'll think it's just you know me me faking it or whatever or it's the Photoshop faking it. But uh, did you know that you can actually see the curve from like a, about a thousand feet, or like five hundred to a thousand feet, if you take a photograph of the horizon from like standing up on a cliff at about a thousand feet, it it looks very flat because you know you're very low down, so it, there's hardly any curve visible. But if you take the photo and you squeeze in the sides and kind of pull out the the top, you can actually magnify the curve enough so you can actually see it. Uh, and you, then you can go out and like take an actual straight edge, like an actual like a like a spirit level or something like a carpenter's level, and put that just under the horizon or just above the horizon or preferably both, uh, and take that photograph and then you uh, compress it and stretch it, and you will actually see the actual curve of the horizon in that photograph. I, I wasn't aware of that. <clears throat> but yeah. obviously if you start edit, if you start messing with photos and yeah. all, obviously the instant <laughs> instant reaction you'll get is, well, you're messing with, you, you know, you're doctoring a photo. But it's a very it's simple like, well, thing it, though. It's just stretching it vertically. No, and I, I, th- I understand the logic between and, it at the end. It yeah. is. And they will argue, they will say, oh, you're, you're stretching it so you're making the curve. But you can, I mean, you can actually show them that if you start out with an actual straight line and you stretch that straight line, it just becomes a thicker line. It doesn't become a curved line. So yeah, you have yeah. to actually have something that's very slightly curved in order to, uh, to, to make you know, the curve be magnified. And this is something that's one of those things that, that they're either going to have to ignore or they're actually going to, actually going to have to address it. No, absolutely. I mean, I, what I always try and do is play by their rules. Yeah, I'll never try and just say, "Well, yeah, here's a photo from NASA, the Earth's a globe." Right? Yeah, yeah. You it, can't I, say I trust NASA. That, it's like CGI. Well, yeah, pretty much every photo you take nowadays is CGI because every camera takes you three three shots. It's your red, your green, and your 
uh, red, green, blue, whatever it is, and they, com- they make them into one picture. Yeah, essentially. So does that mean that every photo is fake? It doesn't. You know, it's um, it's it's just a very dishonest way of going about it. They, they know that what they're saying is wrong, but they have to cling to it because they've no other reason to dismiss the photos of Earth that prove the globe. Yeah. So I just, I just, I don't really entertain. If they bring up NASA, I'll say NASA are irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. You know? get, try to get them focused on some real evidence. So, like, I was going to ask you. Uh, you were talking earlier about you, know, you, you take people out of Facebook and you try to talk them one on one and be polite to them and stuff like that. What do you think about the the flat Earth debunkers who basically just go on and call people stupid? Like, I'm thinking particularly of like the guy uh, flight the fat flight the fat Earth flight the Fight the flat earth. <laughs> a little tongue twister. Um, uh, he just goes on and says, that's, that's the stupidest I'm... thing I've ever heard. And like, you're an idiot and things like that. So it's, it doesn't seem very predictive to me. It's, it's not a very constructive way of doing it. It, it depends what your in- incentive is. I mean, a lot of the flat earthers do the same, but, you know, an equal amount of globers are the same. Um, it's Facebook. You can say what you want and get away with it. So a lot of people do it just for that. Um, but somebody will say, say somebody puts a post, you know, um, why are you in a flat earth group if you don't believe in flat earth? It's like, because if the, if you can just help one or two people, it's worth it. Yeah. You know, if you can help somebody realize that they're, they're being duped, they're being completely and purposely misled and manipulated, especially when one of my main, one of my main hangups is when people are using people's faith against them. It's like it says it in the Bible that the earth's flat. Well, it doesn't say it in the Bible that the earth's flat. Um, it says there's four corners. Well, even a disc doesn't have four corners. It's yeah. these. I, I don't appreciate people using other people's faith against them. I believe that everyone's welcome to believe in whatever religion they like. That's absolutely fine. I, I'm not very. I'm not religious, and it's like I was brought up Catholic, Christian, but it's not something I've kind of gone through with. In all fairness, to show you how kind of um, not CNN literal um, is it's like I believe that all religions are written records of alien contact. Right. You know, it's like I feel like we're we're traveling through space as a species. Imagine us in fifty years, a hundred years, a thousand years. We might be able to visit a planet that's got primitive life if we went down there and taught them how to farm, domesticate animals, and be civilized, and buildings, educate. They'd probably write about us for thousands of years. You know, if we told them we'd come back one day, you know, something they'd probably yeah. cling on to. So, you know, I have got a bit of a, a crazy conspiracy side to me as well. Well, it makes sense. And, you, know, you, even, you even see it now. There's the, the cargo cults like, from uh, the Second World War where uh, like the American servicemen went over to some Pacific islands and they uh, left them some food and stuff and they, they thought that they were gods and they started these religions about trying to make them come back and give them more food. So yeah, it's always something that would happen. But. I mean, it's logical, but, you know, it's... It's hard to say. You know, yeah, obviously it's something that I would never say is a fact. I'd never try telling people, yeah, yeah religion is actually aliens. It's just my opinion and something that I think could possibly be true, could possibly not be true. I could be completely wrong. We could all be completely wrong about everything. Who knows? But the way I see well, it is it's like some, sometimes they'll ask, what happens if... Um, NASA turn around and say that the Earth is flat. What would you do? I'd say, right, well, the first thing I'd do is I'd expect explanations for all right. the evidence yeah. <laughs> that proves it's a globe, you know, because that would then need addressing. So there's... Um, 
Yeah, it's because you're you're not basing your your belief on you know NASA being some uh, all powerful, always right thing. You're basing your belief on you know observations and experiments that you personally have done and. Uh, uh, and the evidence yeah. presented. Yeah, and the weight of all of human history and science uh, on top of that as well. So just NASA saying the Earth is flat, that would be a rather surprising and uh, dissonant thing that you would have to actually <laughs> have some evidence rather than just some guy from NASA saying something. No, absolutely. And then obviously I'd start asking NASA, well, why is the horizon three miles away? Yeah. <laughs> no and, and, and obviously at that point, they would be given some kind of explanation as to why that would happen. And yeah. if the Earth was flat, there would be an explanation for it. Indeed, but yeah. At yeah, the minute, would... there is no explanation for it. And it's, it is proof. I mean, don't get me wrong. The horizon isn't proof of a globe. The horizon is proof of curvature. I'll never turn around to a flat earther and say, look, there's a horizon, therefore the Earth's a globe. Yeah. i say, look, the horizon proves curvature. I'm not trying to get you to admit that the Earth's a globe. And I've had quite a few of them saying, well, maybe the Earth is much bigger than we expected. I've had a few of them get to the point where, I've at, where I was at. And that's when I know that people are thinking yeah. about it. I've heard yeah. a few of them say, well, maybe the Earth's just much larger and we've got the dimensions wrong. I've had that as well. People and, have got to that point in their reasoning. Uh, you say there must be curvature, but we're seeing too much of uh, you know Chicago or whatever, and so maybe it's just not it's curving just, that much. Yeah, then it's just understanding refraction and what refraction does. And, yeah, it's a good step. Um, and like the other guy said to you about the, you know, why... When when it gets past when something gets past the horizon, why doesn't it disappear? Because it is a very gradual, a very gradual curve. It's like when that other guy said to you as well, if a boat does a three sixty and does it start coming back uphill? Well yeah. from your perspective, <laughs> yeah. But if you're on the boat, no, you you're still going, you know, straight forward. It's it's just a basic it's, it's a lot of misunderstanding of the Yeah. The, the, that was fascinating the, to me, like when he basics. said that. Like he was, he, he was saying that like everything is downhill on the the globe model. Yeah, you're standing on the top of the globe and everything's downhill, so the boat would have to sail uphill somehow, which just you know well, shows yeah, that he, he doesn't understand it at all. What's actually going on? And it's it's just it's just like an aha moment for me sometimes when I I, yeah. I hear somebody say that and I kind of understand a little bit better what their mis- misunderstanding is, and then it's just like another challenge trying to ex- explain that one thing. Yeah. I mean, there was a few things that he said that were obviously just clear and easy mistakes to make. Yeah. Um, and, and you can, but the, the the problem is it's not his fault. Yeah, it's yeah. the way it's been presented by the, by the flat earth community. The way they present it is that there are no answers. And that when they're saying things like the Nile runs uphill, it's like, cause they say that the river Nile runs uphill because it goes from South to North. Yeah. Like, well, if you actually look into it, there's actually a downhill gradient of, I think it's, um, I, can't, I can't remember exactly, I don't want to kind of misquote, but you look, you actually cross-reference what you hear, and you find the answers, you know, yeah. just because something goes south to north doesn't mean uphill. Yeah, you know, and there, there are answers, like you said, there's, there, there are explanations, there's scientific explanations for all these things, all these questions have like actual exact answers and we know these rivers they've all been surveyed and we know exactly like you know, how how high the drop is over so many miles like you know it goes down two feet every mile or something like that so you, you know, we know exactly what happens with these but they they ignore uh these these explanations something i always try to do is uh always ask them to be more open-minded 
which I think sometimes it's kind of a bit of a surprise to them because they think that because they have all these alternative beliefs, they're super open-minded. But Mm -hmm. I just say, like, try to be a bit more open-minded and look at this side of the argument and almost presenting the conventional side of the argument as being the alternative that they need to consider because they've gone so far the other way that for them, they've been, they're they're stuck in this thing, but they still think they're being open-minded by only believing the flat earth. One of my main lines to him is questions aren't evidence. You know, because they'll say, well, Mm -hmm. why does this happen? It's like, well, why are you asking me? You know, you're, you're, what you're, you're not here to disprove random people on Facebook. You're yeah. here to disprove the science. So look at the scientific answer to your question, find flaws in it, and present those right. flaws. You know, if you can find flaws in the explanation for a lunar eclipse, then explain it. So, I mean, that's when you get called names or you get told that Pythagoras was a Freemason. Right. <laughs> so they do have the, the, the get-out-of-jail-free cards, if you will. Um yeah, but not all of them, though. And that's that's the thing. That's I think that's the the promising thing is that you know you do actually get people who will listen to to you, and that you do get people will who will actually honestly engage you in in conversation. And I think that's 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 great, and it's great that you've been doing it. And yeah, yeah, like the lady you spoke to, um, yeah, Sasha, Sasha, yeah, Sasha. She sounded yeah. really, really open to to listening to all, she all sides of the story. Yeah, she did. She seemed like she was very open minded. But she she never wanted to really accept anything from the conventional science because she always wanted to remain open minded enough that it that it would be wrong. So even though she said, "Oh, that sounds right," but you know, like yeah. she, she, I don't think she was actually very good in in terms of her scientific under, understanding of the arguments. But she was very good in terms of being open minded. Uh, which you know didn't didn't work out really. <laughs> uh, I should get her back on. I think I should see see where she is now. Uh, yeah, a lot of people, a... yeah. After a year or so, it's been a while. I think it's been at least nine months yeah. since I had her on. So you see, a lot of people they, they, they do if they if they kind of come to the understanding and start questioning their own beliefs, they'll just stop posting. They'll stop. Right. They'll stop talking about it and they'll just yeah. back away from it. Yeah, they will. See, what away. it did for me is it drew me away from a lot of conspiracies. You know, I was looking, at, like I say, I was looking into Nibiru, looking into 9 11 at the mm. time, and then realizing how manipulative the evidence presented by Flat Earth is made me very suspicious of all the other conspiracy theories. Um, you know, it's like I used to watch a program with Jesse Ventura, you know, right, conspiracy yeah. theory with him. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, you know, it's interesting to look at and it's, you know, it's, it's a fun thing to watch. Um, and then you start disliking the debunkers because they're ruining the mystery for you. You know what I mean? And they're, they're proving yeah. it wrong. And it's like, well, you could let me believe it for a while. Well, yeah. But a lot of people, instead of just realizing, oh, yeah, I've been duped a bit, they'll take it to heart. They'll take it personally and they'll think, well, that's just somebody else who's lying to me. Mm-hmm. You know, the the maths that the, the the maths that they're using, the origin of it is from Freemasons. Therefore, it's a lie. Therefore, everything is a lie. Therefore, yeah. all the scientists aren't lying, but the information they're working with must be a lie because the Earth is flat. So they start with the conclusion and then work backwards from it. Yeah, yeah. So it's, was there was there a time so, like you know there was one one of the guys I talked to for my book uh, was like he, he said that. He realized at some point that this stuff was all wrong, 
but he kind of continued arguing anyway because he wanted it to be to be right and he felt like it should be right even though he, he knew that there were arguments against it he still carried on was there any period for you where you was st- where you you kind of realized it was wrong but you still kind of carried on trying to argue that it might be right uh no because um that's a very a very definite no because right. at all time i was interested in the truth yeah and when I thought flat earth was the truth, I was on board. When I started questioning it, I'm like, right, well, I want the truth. And it was never a matter of, well, I'd rather it be true, so I'm going to sway this side. It's just simple. And that's why I tell everyone to cross-examine it, because it was cross-examining all the evidence, which got me out of it. You cross-examine yeah. Yeah. Main, the main three things. It's like, why is there curved flight paths? Because a straight flight path is through the earth. To get from point A to point B on a on a globe in a straight line, yeah. you're going through the Earth. It's curved every, because every the Earth is curved. Is, absolutely. Yeah. So the why the reason it shows us curved on a on a map is because that's the distance it's going. It's going around the curve. Yeah. Um, the doctored photos of Earth. So you've got the because if you remember the three main points I said was Chicago, the fake fake photo of Earth, uh-huh. and the flight paths. So the flight paths I understood. Um, one, because you can't fly over massive oceans because you need to be a certain, I think it's around about a two hour distance away from land. Yeah, it depends on the plane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I remember reading something about the FAA saying you need, obviously, commercial passenger planes need to be savable. It's one of the reason you don't go to Antarctica, the reason the treaty's there, because it's one of the most dangerous places on Earth. If you go there and you end up in trouble, yeah. Getting help is going to be a big problem. Um, but the photos of Earth, the interview with Robert Simmons that the guys love to quote, it's Photoshop, but it has to be. Uh-huh. Um, so you, you look into that and it's like, well, that explained the double cloud pattern because it's a composite photo. So whether they've added the clouds on afterwards because it's composite or whether they've just overlapped because it's composite, he sat down and he's explained that. And then quoting him, explaining why they use composites, is a bit dishonest again. So it's like, well, where's the stars? It's like, well, look, you think they're smart enough to fool the whole world, but they just happen to forget to put stars in the photo. Yeah. Um, so I was in Northumberland in England. Um, it's one of the darkest places for stargazing, this, right. this campsite. Um, now, I've never seen the sky like it. I mean, I live in, I live in city centre Manchester, you know, see a few stars, right. but never seen a sky like it in my life. So I got me my Samsung phone out, took a picture of the sky, absolutely no stars whatsoever. Um, now, I pinpointed where Jupiter was on one of these little sky map apps on my phone, took a photo of all these stars with Jupiter among them, and I got Jupiter in my photo, mm. only one star in my yeah. photo. So it's clearly exposure. You know, they say, well, why is there no stars in photos of Earth? Because to get Earth in the photo the stars are underexposed. If you want to get stars in the photo, the Earth would be overexposed, in, in which case it would be a pointless photo. Um, so the way I explain it to him is you can prove that it's exposure by going outside, take a photo of the sky. When you can see loads of stars, you will get no stars in your photo. Whereas if you use a map app to find where uh, one of the planets in our solar system is and you take a photo in that direction – Voila, you've got mm-hmm. a star in your photo. Um, yeah. 
and it just shows it's I mean, at first, I I believe that was down to distance. You know, Jupiter's much closer. That's why you can get it in a in a picture. It's not. It's because it's brighter. Um, it's in sunlight, essentially. It's it's like it's like a tiny bit of sunlight in the in the sky, like Jupiter or the Moon. You know, the Moon is actually really incredibly yeah. bright because it's actually in sunlight, but it's not very big. Uh, which is why when you take a picture of it at night with your with your cell phone, it just comes out as this really bright blob. And you have to kind of really dial, yeah. dial back the exposure to to get it in there. So, you know, a couple of questions Flat Earthers have asked me that um, that I did have to go on. Because nine times out of ten, the, the things Flat Earthers ask you, you can just, you can bat away with logic. Mm. Um, you really can. But there's been a couple of times where I've had to, where I've said to him, you know, I appreciate that question. I'll yeah. go and research it before yeah. I give you an answer. One of them was why the photos on the moon why does the earth look so small? Right. Um, that was one that got me. And it, it, it very simply now it's just a matter of, right, well, go outside, take a photo of the moon yourself. Yeah, yeah. It would look <laughs> much smaller in your photo than it does with your eyes. That's just how cameras work. So there's that one. But one of the, the main questions, I mean, it wasn't really related to the shape of the earth, but it was just more a relation to the thing that they're being lied to about space was why are the craters on the Earth side in Earth facing side of the moon, larger than on the dark side of the moon. Oh. And that was a question that they asked me, and I was like, you know what? That's one of the best questions I've been asked. Um, and it, it, I had to go away and I had to research it. What would you give for that? Oh, I don't know. I didn't didn't know that they actually were larger on the Earth facing side. Hmm. I mean, they're not. You know, the Earth and the Moon are very, very far apart when you think about where they actually are. So, you know, the asteroids are coming in from Earth's going around that way. I don't know. Because I mean, there are fossils at the backside of the Moon, and there's no craters the size that we can see from, you know, from Earth. There must be some big craters on the back of the Moon. Let's see. Bray is a pretty good question. I was quite impressed with it, and you know, I gave him credit where it was due. So I did look into it, and obviously I found the answer was um, while the while both planets were being formed, well, the Earth and the Moon, the Earth's Earth-facing side of the Moon is warmer than the back side. So, well, the far side. So it's like the difference between dropping a, a, a golf ball into sand than dropping a golf ball into flour. It will create a bigger a bigger impact crater. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's, yeah, looking you know, at the so two does, photos here. So there are questions that they ask that you know might not be related directly to the shape of the Earth, but the teacher, you know, and like I say, as, as much as they are wrong about the shape of the Earth, they have, <laughs> it's interesting they have though. definitely taught me a lot about science. Yeah, it's interesting though. Like they uh, they, they will ask you questions about the far side of the moon. But that kind of presupposes that the far <laughs> side of the moon actually exists, which uh, which you wouldn't yeah. do on uh, on that. Or, or do they? So I guess some of them will think that the the moon is actually a big ball and that they've sent a plane up to look on the other side of it, which doesn't really make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an very interesting thing. I didn't didn't know that there was such a, a start. So, well, I I've probably seen it like years ago, but you know I was kind of thinking of the regular craters, but it's really these these large ones that have these rays going everywhere. Uh, yeah. On the on the uh, the near side of the moon, they look very different to the the far side of the moon. Fascinating. Learn something new every day, and that's yeah one of the great yeah, things yeah. about like looking into flat Earth is that 
you, know, you get to learn all kinds of interesting uh, science and stuff. Um, but um, Mark Sargent, I don't know if you know of him, but he was I on uh, this morning um, with Phil Schofield and Holly Willoughby. They, he was on with them the other day. Um, and when you when you understand the logic behind flat behind the flat Earth and obviously the globe, you realise that the the points he's gave it as soon as he gave because he he gave them five his five most important mm-hmm. points, and these are like the old points that flat Earthers don't even make anymore. And it was at that point when you realised someone like him, it's just a matter of no publicity is bad publicity. Yeah, and it's all about it's all about the clicks. And, and that's what a lot of it is, where they're getting the information from. The reason there's so many people still invested in Flat Earth is because there's so many people still invested in making money. Um, you know, I was tempted myself, smash a few bottles and sell them as <laughs> genuine dome fragments, you know, because, you know, people will believe anything, so, you know, why not? Yeah, but, well, I don't know. Hopefully, the, uh, I don't know if they, if they are making money. I would like to see how much money you can actually make from, from doing the Flat Earth. I suppose, like, if you're Mark Sargent, who's one of the most famous people, because he was on that documentary and he's been on, like, YouTube a lot, then you're going to get more traffic. But, like, these other people, I'm just not sure that they're actually making any money. I don't think Nathan Thompson, you know, the kind of homeless guy who was shouting at the school kids, he he's he's not actually making money as far as I know, but uh, anyway, yeah, they've invested in some way. Well, people say it about like the the chemtrail people as well. They say the chemtrail people just promote it because they're making money. And I think that's true for like uh, Alex Jones and uh, yeah. yeah, for other people like that. But like a lot of the chemtrail people actually genuinely believe it. And a lot of the nine eleven people are genuinely believe it as well. But yeah, you know, the flat Earth people, I don't know how can you continue believing it after so long no, after you've seen all the uh, the evidence. That's what I mean. The the only ones who I feel genuinely believe it are the ones that will stick around and yeah. have a back and forth debate with you, which yeah. is very rare. Yeah. Well, but one thing I will one thing oh, I will yeah. make out. One thing yeah. I will say. Uh, the the guy who had on Jeff when he was yeah. mentioning about the 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 chemtrail chemtrail above his, when he was talking about that video. I think the point he was making was there was two planes that, that appeared to be at the same height. Right, yeah. One was given a trail, one wasn't. Now, I look at planes up in the sky and I think they look around about the same height, you know, the same size in the sky. One of them will give a trail, one of them doesn't. Now, I've never really looked into contrails, chemtrails, but it is something that you I wonder, why is one given a trail and why yeah. one isn't? It's a good question. It's a good question. With uh, with uh, uh, The answer is really that uh, it doesn't take very much difference in altitude to be in a cloud forming layer or not in a cloud forming layer. If you think yeah. about like clouds, like you think about it's like clouds, a cloud layer. Yeah. If something's just in that cloud layer, it's in it, but 500 feet below that thing, it's not in it. So you're either in the cloud layer or not in that. So it can be just a few hundred feet to be in a layer yeah. or not in a layer. Now with contrails, uh, what you're in, you're in a you're in a cloud forming layer that doesn't have any clouds formed yet because there's, there's, it's just below the amount of humidity needed to form clouds. Then the plane comes along, it spews some uh, you know some hot moist exhaust out of its back, and it, a cloud forms. But 500 feet below that, it's not moist enough. Exactly the same way as you get like clouds or no clouds, you get cloud forming 
versus not cloud forming, and it's just like a few hundred mm. feet. So a plane can be just a few hundred feet uh, below another one, and it could not making it, uh, or, or even above it. And if you, with the distance, like you think, like say, like you know, my looking at this video here, my hands are the same size approximately. My right hand's slightly bigger, mm -hmm. uh, but if they are say no, the equivalent of thirty thousand feet away, I'm moving them way back over here. So that's say, say that's thirty thousand feet, and I move one to uh, twenty nine thousand feet, moving it a little bit closer. It's not moving very Still much. Still looks the same. Looks yeah. exactly the same. And if you've got planes that are actually different planes, like you've got a, a, a 747 and a 737, from a distance, you can't tell which is which. They just look like, like little mm -hmm. white things with wings in the distance. But one is like more than twice the size of the other one. So there's no way you can tell whether one is higher or, or lower. And it's actually quite rare to get two planes next to each other in the sky that are actually the same plane. The most likely thing is you're going to get Seven three seven, but even seven three sevens, they come in all different sizes. The seven three seven, like three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, eight hundred, they're all different sizes. They have different wingspans, so especially go, different Jeff. lengths. Yeah, so have there you go, future. Jeff. Explores with that explanation. Feel free yeah. to present them. <laughs> but it's one that comes up all the time. It's this is funny because it does actually happen all the time. People say, "I saw two planes in the sky. One left a trail. One didn't leave a trail. Why is that?" Yeah. And then I, you know, I give them that explanation. I, I've written I mean, it down. At least that's a logical question. You know, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it not, not, not like somebody saying, "I saw two suns in the sky. Why did that happen?" Oh, that's that that's illogical. That's, that's that is. Uh, that can be a logical question because you can actually take photographs where it looks like there's two suns if you get like the, the lens yeah. flare just right. And sometimes you get these sun dogs which look a bit like suns or you get clouds that looks yeah, like suns anyway. They but... use them as evidence of a dome. Yeah. You, know, you put a light in the face <laughs> and it looks the same as a sun dog. Yeah, I think like any anytime someone can show you something and say, why is this happening? That's a valid question. Right? So, yeah, I mean, if you're saying... willing to listen to the yeah. answer. Yeah, yeah. Like so, as long as they're not saying like you know this 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 proves that there's a dome. You know, if 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 the Earth was a globe, then rainbows would be spherical. But yeah, there is yeah. it's a dome. Well, that's, that's another point. I made. So when they're saying something, when they make a claim, I'll say, look, a claim requires evidence. You know, so yes. back up your claim with evidence, or address mm -hmm. the evidence that mm -hmm. answers your question. Yeah, you can't just you can't just make flat you know flat out claims like you know a sun dog proves a dome. Right. Okay, look, look, look how science explains some dogs and, and find the problems with that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all about cross-examination. There's lots of fun, exp well, not, not fun explanations, fun, interesting websites that explain these things for you and yeah, things that you can go check yourself. You can check refraction, you can get some crystals and you can you can do things with them and yeah. see what happens. Well, uh, this is this has been like, you know, we've like, been going like an hour and a half, I think now. Is there anything yeah. that you want to talk about uh, that we haven't covered yet? Um, no, I don't think so. It's um, like I say, all, all I, all, the only advice I can give to any kind of flat earthers watching is just cross-examine what you hear. Right. Cross-examine everything, whether it's the explanation given by the globe or the proofs given by flat Earth. Just cross-examine. Just that's the only way to get to to the answers. Research gives you answers. Research as far down as you need to until mm. you don't find any more flaws. That's yeah. about it. And keep an open mind. So, yeah absolutely yeah all right johnny well, uh, uh thank you very much no problem you too thanks for having me on all right 